You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, welcome back to Heard Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson and Jenya Coulter, who I have been practicing to make sure I say it right because I said it wrong the last time she was on the program. So I'm sorry. Uh, election babe, the ballot fairy. We call her many, many things, but we mostly call her friend. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, how are you doing today? Thrilled. We get to start the new year with you. And before we get into this year, though, the year of our Lord 2022, uh, for a non-national election year, and you're an election expert, boy, we talked a lot of elections in 2021, didn't we? It was nice to see so many people suddenly care about these relatively obscure local elections that normally, you know, kind of fall under, you know, fly under the radar. Of course, the level of contention involving some of these elections, I could have maybe done a little bit with a little bit less. Right. I see people care. Yeah. One thing I kind of got on, too, is people don't realize we talk about all these big court cases and we talk about the prosecutors in the like the Rittenhouse trial and the Ahmaud Aubrey trial where they went through three prosecutors. People forget. Most prosecutors, most DAs, those are municipal local elections, and those are some of our lowest turnout elections that we have. They want to show up for these trial things, but they forget that these are elected officials that they don't show up to vote for in a lot of cases or not pay very close attention to in a lot of cases. Yeah, um, if you ever want to stump people who think they care about politics, ask them who they voted for. If it's in a jurisdiction that does elected judges, ask them which judges they voted to retain or not retain. Most of them will not be able to tell you. It's always it's a really interesting litmus test. Why do you think that is? Because I know, you know, the old days they used to print the sample ballot in the paper and you'd sit there and mark it through. Why why is it that the local elections that affect us the most? Because you're in these polling places. That's one reason we like to talk to you. You're not just the theory of it. You actually do the work of it. You show up at the polling places, you run polling places. Why is that? Because you talk to people that who are the people that show up for municipal elections? Is it a noticeable difference from a general election crowd? I, I suspect it probably is, especially on the local level. The people who show up for the local elections are the kind of people who show up for every election. Um, no, and usually they tend to skew a little bit older. Um, my polling place was in a senior uh, was a senior citizens facility. So I had voters range in age from, you know, 18, like literally it was their 18th birthday, their first time voting. And I was so excited. I, you know, praised the heck out of his parents. You know, thank you so much for making your, you know, encouraging your son to vote, you know, so young. And then I've had a voter who was 104. 104. And she, she said that she'd never, ever since she was old enough to vote, she'd never missed an election. And I believe her. Wow. See, that's got to make you feel good, though. Those are those are the citizens that make the country go. They don't get enough credit, though, do they? But I want a documentary on that lady. She, I, I loved it. She said, 
my, she said, my relationship with democracy has outlasted my relationship with all four of my husbands. That's a Florida woman right there. That's a legend living. Um, oh, she's so, she's adorable too. She's like this really tiny lady, very carefully dressed. She always has her lipstick on looking real pretty. I mean, I just adore her. Uh, I love people like that. Uh, let's, let's dig into it. Though. Talking to Jenny Coulter. She is election babe on the twitter.com. She's written all over the place everywhere from Washington post. Uh, she's in elections daily, frequently our friends over there. She's long overdue to come back to ordinary times with me. I'll throw in the free plug in there. Um, what jumped out at you this year? Cause we had a lot of elections that were contentious. We of course had the Georgia recall. That was a mess. We had Virginia. We had all the redistricting. We had a lot of legal laws. What, what are your real big takeaway for 2021? Which one jumps out at you right off the top? How many people suddenly care about redistricting? Because I can tell you 10 years ago, it wasn't like this. And it's been interesting to see so many people who, in some cases might not have really been old enough to remember the last decennial redistricting, suddenly come up with these amazing proposals and maps and have the wherewithal to be able to argue the case for their map and do a really great job. And I mean, some of these people aren't, a lot of them aren't professionals. They're just, you know, people who discovered maps while on social media. And then you get to see some areas where the professionals did um, some of the, prof- you know, some of the professional mappers obviously drew some great maps. Others, well, I'm going to leave that to the experts. Is, is it just the social media and the technology? Is that the biggest difference? Or is it the partisanship right now where people all of a sudden realize like, hey, you know, everything's so divided. Every single one of these little votes counts. So they're paying more attention. What do you attribute that to? I think it's a little of both. Um, social media has turned elections from a necessary tour of democracy into a spectator sport. But it is nice to say, again, it's nice to hear, you know, people who are, aren't, aren't even old enough to drive in some cases actually make a convincing case for the map that they've just posted online. That's it's really nice to see. I'm proud of them. Yeah, I, I see. I think I know election Twitter folks, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's kind of a loose collection of folks that really get into the maps and the, the nitty gritty details of election. I, I think it's a positive sign, though, because, you know, with before the social media technology, I don't know that those people would be a group. I don't know that they would be, you know, it becomes a resource because they can kind of feed each, feed off each other. And then people like me that write and commentate for a living, I can talk to those guys. I can talk to the Drews. I can talk to you. I can, I can pull information from them. And now I have another resource besides just news media to get information about elections from. And a lot of these people are covering their state or their region or something that they're really specific and a specialist on. I think that's a very healthy thing. It's really nice to see. And one of the things that I also did learn this year is there are some mainstream media outlets that are far more biased than perhaps they want to admit publicly. And it's nice to have an ear to the ground to notice what people online who actually live in that area are saying and their views and what their needs are. Because there were, there, I think there were a significant number of missed calls. And I don't think it was malicious. I just think that maybe there was a bit more of an echo chamber in certain races than there were others. And there were some surprises. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about two of those surprises real quick. Uh, Jenny Coulter joining us. She is at election babe on the twitter.com. If you're not following her, you are missing out. Um, also a pretty good cook for our Twitter supper club, but we'll talk about grilling later. Uh, the, the two big events this year, uh, other than the hangover from the national election was Georgia and Virginia. 
Both of them surprised in opposite ways, though. Let's start with Georgia. That was, you know, to, to steal hot land as a moniker, that was just a big hot mess. What do you take away now that we got a little space from Georgia, especially considering that looking at 2022, I know I'm saying that that's the state I'm going to be paying attention to. That's that's going to be ground zero for a lot of it. But we've had about a year to think about it. What did Georgia teach you from the election angle on it? Georgia does not have to be a hot mess. Um, Some of the policies the state has are, I think, inefficient and in some cases downright questionable. And I think if they I think if they fine tune some of those processes, maybe things would be a little less of a free for all when during the counting process. I think the Republicans learned a valuable, if somewhat harsh lesson about don't discourage people from voting by mail, particularly when they're your voters. I, that, I mean, they literally shot themselves in the foot there. Um, the Dem- I think the Democrats did a much better job of pushing vote by mail. And because again, vote by mail was not exclusively a Democrat thing up until about, I'd say five or 10 years ago, more Republicans voted by mail simply because older folks tend to like vote by mail more than younger folks. So I think the Democrats did a really good job with the get out the vote process in um, Georgia. I just wish that there had been a tighter, a, a more streamlined or tighter process so that there weren't a bazillion lawsuits later on. And so much of this, this is one thing I've learned from talking to you. So much of this stuff is they write legislation or they do these rules for elections that are just inapplicable, like they physically cannot enforce some of this, or they come up with a rule that you just cannot do it. You can't physically do it in the polling places. It makes no sense. And then you wind up with a mess because now the poll workers don't know what to do. The counters don't know what to do. And then from the outside, you get these conspiracy folks and they just see chaos. But a lot of this is just, they just didn't write it into the law very well, or they didn't think it through very well, did they? No, uh, people underestimate the power of logistics. And one of the things I think that Georgia is a unique case in that there's, I think, 159 counties and everything is, it's a top-down system. Basically, the Secretary of State creates all the policies and they get rocketed down to all the different counties. And sometimes there's some counties that it's not that they don't want to comply, it's that they don't have the resources to do so. And that's not fair to them. And then there are other counties that get all the resources and they still can't keep a tight ship on things. That to me, as far as I'm concerned, is a good argument for keeping elections more at the county level, especially if you have such a disparate size in counties. Yeah, we're talking to Jenny Coulter, uh, talking elections. She is the election babe, our election expert. Uh, And we're going to talk the other big elections in 2021. We're going to look ahead to 2022 with her expertise. We're going to talk about her love of grilling to finish off. So stay with us on Hard Tell. We'll be right back after this. favorites uh jenny coulter the election babe at the twitter uh the other big election this year that everybody uh was paying attention to and a lot of people were surprised at although you probably shouldn't been if you were paying real close attention was virginia 
Uh, I was told as late as this spring that Virginia was going to be blue in perpetuity, which is always a silly thing to say, but that's not what happened, was it? No, I think the Democrats learned a very valuable lesson as well. Do not insult your voters. That's, I think that that's something that pundits can insult voters because they're pundits. That's their job. It gets them clicks. If you're running a field campaign, you kind of want to be, you kind of want to talk to at least, even if you don't like the people who will be voting, at least listen to them because that's going to give you a better idea of what their concerns are. I mean, Virginia, voters in Virginia do not vote as a monolith. Um, I'm not the Virginia expert here. I'd talk to like Chaz Nuttycomb or Miles Coleman or any of the elections daily crew because they have a much better sense of what's going on there. But when the, uh, what was going on over the late summer in Virginia, I remember thinking, oh God, did they really just say that about the parents who will be voting in that election? Because parents are more likely to vote in some of the smaller elections or the more of the state, the state level elections. And you're not going to do all that well if you insult those folks. And something that you've always talked about and I appreciate it is, you know, because we, we do the maps and we do the social media and we do the in-depth. And I think we forget that every election, no matter what's going on, it always comes down to who the candidate is. And I think that was just one of the ones where people, you know, Terry McAuliffe, I don't care how you slice it. He just ran a bad campaign. And we forget and sometimes all the, these environmental things, you know, you got to have a good candidate and you got to run a good campaign or the rest of it really doesn't matter. And he's not a bad candidate, actually. And I feel bad because the, his field, the people who were working field operations, they poured their heart and their soul into this election. A lot of them, I, you know, I read the tweets. I mean, I just wanted to give some of them a hug and a hot cup of cocoa. But there were certain things that there was clearly a disparity in between what the campaign was saying and what the voters were saying. And it came back to bite the campaign in the butt. Um, talk about that a little bit too, because part of being an elections person is you, you follow how these field campaigns go. They're kind of unheralded these workers, but there, there seems to be something going on in a lot of these campaigns where the candidates and the staffers that are available some of them are really having a hard time connecting to their to their groups. We saw it with the Virginia thing where the candidate was out of step and the staffers are okay. We're seeing it with the president right now where, frankly, I think his staff is out of step with the country. It's kind of the opposite where he's more amiable and well-liked than maybe some of the stuff his staff's doing. What do you tell those people when they if they would come to you for advice like, look, I, we're in the world now where it's perpetual campaign all the time. That's not going to change. It's never going to go back the way it used to be. How do these staffers and these candidates keep uh, their ear to the ground and not come off so tone deaf, even with all the noise of the social media and the news media network, do you think? Remember that Twitter is not real life, but it's also, if you're going to be, if you're going to do a lot of your campaigning online, follow as many different people in that jurisdiction as you can, because you never know who they're going to say, you know, I had a great experience with this person. You know, I'd really, it made me feel very positive about this candidate or, you know, I wasn't treated well by them. And I, if the, if they represent the candidate, I don't want to vote for that candidate. It's really worth, you know, some people just need a good listen. You know, some people need a good talking to most voters need a good listening to. Well, as we kind of look into 2022, we know it's the midterms. We know it's going to be loud. We know we have, 
um, some situations that have never really occurred before because we're going to, you know, the COVID stuff is still out there. We don't know what's going to go on that. We have, of course, the Donald Trump vendetta ride in places like Georgia and Arizona. We don't know how that's going to go. What do you think that folks should be listening to voters on? Is it going to be the economy? Is it going to be some of the social justice stuff? Is it going to be COVID? What do you think the voters really want to be listened to? I think schools are going to schools. Education are definitely going to be a hot button issue. Inflation, if it keeps getting worse, inflation's definitely going to be there. I think climate and climate change are going to be issues, but maybe not quite in the way people think, because obviously climate change is happening. However, there's certain things that maybe the Green New Deal isn't 100% realistic about. And if you look at some of the energy crises going on in Europe, you can kind of get a sense of how that can, the best of intentions can go very, very wrong in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I think when your prices are going up anyway, that's probably not the time to try new technologies. that's going to drive prices up. That's probably not going to go real well for you just on a practical level, whatever you, whatever the end goal you're pushing for is. Also have a backup. You never know when you're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny Coulter, who we just adore talking election stuff. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about a nonstop, the 2022 midterm. Uh, turn down the noise on it for us, though. What are you looking at as we start going in the primary season in the spring? What do you look at it? Uh, beyond just the headlines and the candidate stuff, what do you look at when you look at these elections as to whether they're going well or if it's going to turn into like another Georgia recall situation? What's kind of the things you look at to try to give you a postmark of this is going well or this is getting ready to go sideways? Take a look at the new laws that are going to be in, going to, that go into effect on New Year's Day in many states. There have been quite a there's been quite a few pieces of election legislation that have gone through. Some of them, I think, in I mean, not every piece of election legislation is a bad thing. Sometimes it makes the process a lot more efficient. But there are going to be in some states there may be some limitations on things like locations of ballot drop boxes. Some places will expand them. Other places there won't be as many. There, there are probably going to be polling place changes for a lot of voters simply because we've had a few uh, natural disasters that took out some places that would have otherwise be used. So any state that doesn't have their processes in gear, they've got maybe two months to get to get things in order. And after that, may the magical ballot fairies be with them. We haven't had you for a little while, so uh, do your spiel on magical fairies for the folks that maybe have never heard it before. You're talking about the folks who have a lot of really soaring rhetoric about elections, but have no clue whatsoever how a polling place works, right? Yes, they're the ones that they're like, well, if we could just get rid of all, you know, all, all computers and elections, you know, all of our problems would be solved. And then I'm going to look at them and go, OK, where did your ballot come from? How did it get to you? The magical ballot fairies did not deliver it to you with a wave of magic wand and a proof of glitter. It got designed and laid out on a computer. It got printed out by a industrial scale printing press that runs on, that has an internet controlling system. It's, you know, your post, everything involving the postal service involves some sort of computer or barcode tracking. So you're not gonna be able to get rid of technology in elections completely. It's, you know, there were plenty of problems in elections prior to the advance of, techno, of uh, technological um, concerns. 
the conspiracy so yes, theory. There are no magical ballot fairies. No, there's not. And the flip side of that, of course, is the conspiracy theorists who think everything is a tough box full of ballots hiding in a trunk or under a table or whatever every time they see it. There's not a lot of that either, though, is there? I know we heard um, so much about the election stolen and these things and these. A lot of that, though, when you dug down and just turned the noise off, was people watching on video a process that they really didn't understand what was going on in the first place. That's true. I think there are some people who want to understand the process. One of the things that I that was kind of nice this year is I had a lot of people who identified as Republican or conservative asking me about elections and election integrity, and they genuinely wanted to know about the process, what the safeguards were, how the process could be made more secure. And that was actually really nice because, again, election security and election integrity, they're two sides, two halves of the same coin. And you can't really have one without, you should really not, you shouldn't have one without the other. So I think that's been nice. But then there's a lot of bad information out there. Of course, then there's on the other, on the flip side, there are people who insist that, oh, this was the most perfect, wonderful, secure election and nothing bad happened. And then you get the news reports where something very bad did happen and it insults people's intelligence and they're not too fond of that. So if you want an election integrity, keep in mind, election integrity is as election integrity does. Same thing with security. Yeah. And like we've seen with COVID and a lot of other things, the, the important thing is to be consistent and to be fair and accurate in your information so you don't look silly later, because that really does open the door for people to think untoward things are going, doesn't it? And, and explain, I like to explain to people what I do. You know, some, pe- some poll workers have like these huge problems with the folks who come in who are poll watchers. I didn't have any. And that was because if they had a question, I would very, I would very politely walk them through what we were doing and why we were doing it. And they seemed pretty much satisfied with that answer. And the vast majority of my poll watchers happened to be on the Republican side. So I was, I mean, the fact that I didn't have any issues with them at all, I think that's a testament to how well my staff ran things. Yeah. And speaking of other things that you run really well, uh, you are a member in good standing of the Twitter Supper Club. We'd love to have you, but you have an affinity for a particular cooking method. Uh, you've got your son doing it now, I saw on the social media. But what is it with election fairies and grilling? I like grilling. It's, you know, you're in the great outdoors. You get the smell of burnt meat, which I think is just awesome. You know, you get to, you know, you get to play with spices and marinades and you're not like, you know, you're not chained to a stove. I really, I mean, grilling is to me the perfect, you know, it's the perfect art, uh, cooking art form, except for maybe baking. Although grilling is a lot more forgiving when you screw up. I, I grill. I am not a baker. I mess up everything I try to bake. I've got a daughter that can bake really well. I just leave it to her because those are two totally different skill sets. So kind of, kind of like elections and punditry, which is why we bring you on. Uh, Jenny Coulter, uh, it's going to be a busy election year, so I hope you join us frequently to straighten this stuff out and turn down the noise for us. Uh, tell folks where they can find you and what you've got going on. All right. Well, if you are in Polk County, Florida, and you happen to be doing early voting, come say hello to me. I'm the I'm the petite redhead that nobody can hear. <laughs> and if you want me on Twitter, I'm at Election Babe, or you can read my columns at Elections Daily or on Ordinary Times. Yep. And it's an election year, so she may not be writing a whole lot uh, this year, but we sure hope you do. And you're the best. And we greatly appreciate you, my friend. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm I was so excited that I was the inaugural guest of this show. And 
now that seeing you going, having another year, I'm just so happy for you. Yeah. You, the very first podcast we did, we did elections with you and uh, you're on the first uh, of the daily show for 2022. And we hope to have you on a whole, whole bunch. So we appreciate you, my friend. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew. I really had a great time and happy new year. Happy new year to you. We'll talk soon, ma'am. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details